are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now, let's listen in to this week's sermon. If you would, open up to Luke chapter 6. And while you're doing that, I want to put up a scripture here in the room from Exodus chapter 19, and this is for our online audience as well. To understand where we're going in Luke chapter 6, we need to understand Exodus 19. In Exodus 19, the Lord is talking to Moses. So the children of Israel, they were delivered out of slavery, out of bondage from Egypt. The Lord delivered them. They didn't deliver themselves. They didn't sneak out. The Lord delivered them. The Lord's desire was for the children of Israel to be separate from every other tribe, ethnicity, group of people that were here on this planet. The Lord said, I want you to be set apart from everyone else. I want you, my children, to be different from the rest of this world. So Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6, the Lord says this, Now therefore, this is the Lord speaking to Moses, Now therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So like I said, the Lord told Moses, the children of Israel, I want you to be different from everyone else on this earth. You belong to me. Today, where we're going in Luke chapter 6, we need to understand that Christians, you and I, people who have professed faith in Christ, are to be different from the rest of this world. We are called to be different, not better, not more handsome, not worse. We are to be separate from this world. We belong to God. This message today that we're going to read this text is one that we all need to hear consistently. This isn't a one of those things in the Bible where you hear it and you're like, okay, got it check. No, we need to hear it. We need to be reminded of it. And Holy Spirit willing, we need to be convicted when we need to be convicted. And we need to hear this message often. The last thing about this is this is one of those message messages or one of these passages, I should say. It's not coming from me. It is the text itself is much easier said than done. We can read it and say, yep, got it. I understand it. Understanding is one thing. Doing is something completely different. It is much easier said than done, but we should, through the help and the guiding of the Holy Spirit, be transformed into the image of Christ. That process is known as sanctification. The Holy Spirit has to lead, guide, mold us into people who are more and more Christ-like. 
and we do through do so not by saying, yep, I got it. You don't need to tell me anything. I am perfect. I'm walking around. No, we need to understand that we need to submit. We need to surrender and say, Holy Spirit, shape me, mold me, and lead me. So three things, and I want to go ahead and put these up. Three points today, and I'm going to talk about these several times throughout this message. I'm going to continue to reiterate these three points. Number one, Christians should be set apart from unbelievers. Again, not better, not worse. We are to be set apart from them. Number two, this is through the Holy Spirit to conform us to the image, to the nature of the Father. We're going to see what the text says about this. But to conform us to the image of the Father, take on His nature. And number three, we have our reward in eternity with our Lord. That is our reward. Okay, have you found Luke 6, 27? And by the way, there is going to be some overlap. Where we end this week and where Eric picks up next week, there is going to be some overlap. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read Luke 6, 27. We're going to go all the way down through the end of verse 38. So this is Jesus speaking. This is still part of what Tom introduced last week, which is known as the Sermon on the Plain. The parallel is the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So this is Luke 6, 27. He says, this is Jesus speaking, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask for them back. Just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners and receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, and lend hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall, shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Very, very lengthy passage, but chocked full. There is so much in here that we could spend a lot of time doing this. But for the sake of today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to boil this down to three topics. Loving giving, and judging. 
And again, I want to remind you of those three points. As we read through this, I want you to, to be reminded of these three points. Number one, Christians are to be set apart from unbelievers. Number two, this is to conform us to the image of the Father, to take on his nature, not our fallen nature. And number three, we have our reward in eternity with our Lord. Okay, so the first topic we're going to talk about, and this is by no means exhaustive or anything like that. So I encourage you in your prayer time, in your study time this week, to read through, I would say, the entirety of Luke chapter 6, but verses 27 down through the end of the chapter at least. That way you can kind of begin to, to soak it in. So I want to look back at verses 27 and 28. Luke 6, 27 and 28. But I say to you who hear, let's stop right there. I say to you who hear. That is the implication that others will not hear. So Jesus always says, he who has ears, let him hear. If you get this, if you understand it, you're going to be blessed. But he's letting us know not everyone is going to get it. Not everyone is going to truly act with the, uh, hear it with the intent to act on it. He says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. And my response to that is, you don't know what that person said to me. That's all well and good. You don't know what Jesse Pascal did. Ooh, that dirty, rotten, you don't know. So that is our attitude. Why is that? We are fallen people by nature. Our default setting is the things of this world. When we see something bad happen in the world, we immediately get mad. And, and we use this example a lot because it's, it's very clear cut. You're driving down the road doing the speed limit. Some Yahoo comes by 20 miles an hour faster and cuts you off and does all of this kind of stuff, what is your impulsive reaction going to be? Keep in mind, this is church. Don't say it out loud. You're going to react. That is our default nature. So when we look and it says, love your enemies, immediately our default setting says, no, no, no. They're my enemy for a reason. There's something they said, something they did to me that you don't know about. So I am going to harbor that and I'm going to hold that grudge till the day that I die, right? I know no one is guilty of that in here or watching online, no one. When I talked about at the beginning, this message is going to go against completely what the world says, completely. To use a big fancy term, it is antithetical to the world. When we step out of these doors, there's a new set of ball, new set of uh, rules, new, new ballgame. What the Word of God tells us goes against the grain of what the world says. Everything that we're going to talk about today goes against what the world says, because we see. Love your enemies. Nope. 
They're my enemy. I am going to hate them, and I'm going to harbor that hate because that's what the world says to do. It says, do good to those who hate you. Uh-uh, not me. I know what this word, what this word says. I know it, but I'm not going to do it. I am refusing to submit to what this word says, and I'm going to hold on to that anger. Bless those who curse you. Uh-uh, they just cursed me. You don't know what they said to me, so therefore I can do what I want. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Get real. I don't want to do that. I want to harbor that anger. Yet, let me remind you of the three points. Christians are set apart from unbelievers. Unbelievers live by the world's standard. Again, we are not better than them. We are different from them. We are called to be different. And I was thinking about this this week when I was putting this together. When we think about loving your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you. I, I don't know if this is true of any of you, but before I came to faith in Christ, I was 28 years old when I was born again, when I truly surrendered. I knew who he was. Did I spitefully use him? The Father? Yes, I did. Did I curse him? No. I was guilty of that. Did I hate him? At times, I did. If I'm being honest, if we're being honest with ourselves, was I an enemy of God in my worldly view? Yes, I was. But the Father loved me. He didn't see me as the enemy. He saw me as his son. So the nature of God, the nature of our father is to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, to bless those who curse him, who curse us. Pray for those who spitefully use us use him. His nature is, let me look at those verbs again, love, do good, bless, and pray. You want to know what our job is? Those things right there, because that is the nature of the Father. Our default nature is, what's the opposite of these? Hate, do bad, curse, not pray, I guess. Do you see how it goes against what the world tells us to do? When someone does something ugly to us, we want to react in a negative way. But the word of God tells us, and Jesus even reminded us, but I say to you who hear, meaning not all of us are going to hear this, but when we get in and we study the word of God, we need to understand to love, to do good, to bless and to pray, that should be our response, not the opposite. So we talked about loving. I want to talk quickly about giving. Let's jump down to verse, verses 30 and 31. It says, and give to everyone who asks of you, 
And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, do also to them likewise. Verse 31, that is the golden rule. Do unto others as you would want to have them do unto you. Very, very simple. Meaning how we learn. And I know we have a football coach sitting right in front here, so I'm going to kind of choose my words carefully. So if I'm a football player and I get out there and I learn by doing, not by looking at uh, plays on a, I guess it's on a tablet now, used to be chalkboards and markers. And when you're looking, learning a football play and you run the wrong way, when you think about that, when, when people are learning, uh, and I understand this is his job to do that. His job is to correct the mistake and make sure that, that he does it correct. So when the, the kid comes and, and misses a tackle or, or something like that, coach's job is to go in and, and correct that. So when we look at doing unto others how we would want to have them do unto you, football is a little bit different because it is you have to correct those mistakes right there on the spot. Otherwise, they breed bad habits. And that goes for any kind of athlete or anything like that. The reason we're talking about this is the golden rule, do unto others, because I guarantee you, if coach does something wrong, he would want that corrected right then and there. It's, it's a matter of style. So when we look at, in, in terms of giving, it says do unto others, uh, it's just as you want men to do to you, do to them likewise. Do you want your garage broken into? If you accidentally leave it open overnight, do you want someone to come in and steal from you? Nope. So don't do that. If you see your neighbor's garage open, doesn't matter how many nice things they have in there, go knock on his door and say, hey, you left it open. Do unto others as, as you would have them do unto you. That is the golden rule. So when we're talking about giving, one of the things to be reminded of is this world is temporary. When you look at they, they even have reality shows about it now to where you go pay um, 500 bucks and you get a key to a uh, storage unit. That's all people's stuff that they could not take with them. So when we go to be with the Lord, we can't take the fancy truck, fancy boat, you know, anything like that. Are those things bad? Absolutely not. But when it's talking about giving, does that mean you should give away your boat to everyone who asks for it? Say that again. No? I'm hoping you'll change your mind on that. Really nice bass boat. Here's, here's the answer to that. Should you give away everything? That is between you and the Lord. Pray about it. Nate and I, uh, we, we did a midweek uh, this past week in between storms. Um, we were able to come up here and, and pre-record it, but one of the things that we had talked about was showing the kindness of the Lord. I'm, it wasn't Nate, it was Tom and I a couple weeks ago. We have those, by the way, available on podcasts, but it's how to share the Lord with other people, ways to do it with your mouth and ways to do it with your actions. So I encourage everyone to, to go and listen to those. Um, they were midweek a couple weeks ago. It was a two-part series, but how to be a blessing to other people. 
You can pay for someone's coffee behind you. Something that simple. And they say, why'd you do that? You can say, because you're loved by the Lord. Just something that simple. So when we're talking about giving, give to other people, whether that's time, resources, finances, whatever it is, be a blessing to other people. And there's a whole lot there that we could talk more about giving. But I want to get to this third point, which is about judging. And like I said, Coach is going to pick this up next week. There is going to be some overlap. But I want you to think about this. Again, this is one of those messages that is much easier said than done. We can read this. So, yeah, I get it. But in actuality, do we really get it? And for this part, I want you to jump over to Matthew chapter 7. Luke records it, but I like the way Matthew kind of lumps everything together in this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. And while you're turning there, I want you to think back to, I couldn't, I couldn't remember the year. I want to say it was 2000. 11, 2012, something like that. Do you guys remember um, Chick-fil-A said that they supported traditional marriage? So it was on August 1st, it was support Chick-fil-A day. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, okay. So you know the date that I'm talking about. The reason that was so important was at the time you had something known as the Defense of Marriage Act or DOMA. This is before same-sex weddings were recognized on the federal level. But what was happening is if you support Chick-fil-A in traditional marriage, they support as a company traditional marriage. They are founded by Christians, Christian leadership, that sort of thing. Again, when you go against the grain of the world, things are going to start to happen. One of the most Famous verses, and, and by the way, let me let me give it a little bit of context. When this support Chick-fil-A day happened, if you went to eat at Chick-fil-A, it wasn't that you were supporting a company that supported traditional marriage. You became hateful in the eyes of some. Amen. It's a sad fact of life. If you support Chick-fil-A, you now were on the side of hate. Not that you can't disagree with someone, but you now supported hate in the eyes of some. And one of the, the most famous verses that I heard quoted on social media, because I, I wanted to see how were Christians reacting to this, this onslaught of you know, social media junk, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 popped up, says, judge not that you will be judged. Or judge not that you will not be judged. They said, the Bible says that you're not supposed to judge me. That was the biggest thing. You are not supposed to judge me if you're a Christian or if you're a non-Christian. Your Bible says you're not supposed to judge me. And the reason I'm bringing this up, I want you to keep your eyes on the news this week. There's something that is known as the Equality Act. It tried a couple years ago and did not, it passed the House, but not the Senate.
they are expecting it to pass this week in the House and the Senate. In the Senate, the vice president will be the deciding vote on this. What this will do, I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this other than to say you're going to hear Matthew 7, 1 a lot this week. So this Equality Act will amend the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Fair Housing Act to include gender identity. We don't like to get political from this pulpit, and we never will. I only bring that up in the context of watch how people react to this. And like I said, you're going to see Matthew 7-1 a lot this week. Because back during the Chick-fil-A day, you saw it a lot. It says, the Bible says you're not supposed to judge me. That's how people on both sides of the aisle, doesn't matter, are going to react to this. The Bible in Ephesians chapter 5 tells us sin, not just certain types of sin. All sin is done in shame and in secret. That is a reality for all of us who are fallen people. Now, we are redeemed by Christ. We are redeemed by Christ. But other people do not, they don't have that redemption that you and I do. Now, what does this have to do with judging other people? Because, my opinion, when we talk about judging in America today, people are very quick to say, you're not supposed to judge me because they want to remain comfortable in their sin. Whatever that sin is, it is not specific. It is sin in general. But here's the thing. The Bible says that we are supposed to judge. Let me show you. Jump with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. 1 Corinthians 2. First Corinthians chapter two, verses 14 and 15 says this, but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual for us as believers, but he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For no one who has known the mind of the Lord may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. This word discerned here in 1 Corinthians 2.14 means to judge. But let me, let me push that a little bit further. What does that mean? To investigate, to question, to discern, and to examine. So when we talk about that we who are spiritual should discern things, we should judge things. We should judge everything. We are doing so by God's standard and not our own. So 
I want to hold your place. You don't have to hold your place. I should have told you to hold your place. Go back to Matthew 7. And I want to show you what Jesus talks about. Now, this is for Christian to Christian. To Christians. Matthew 7, 1. He says, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Watch this, verses 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Now, this is from one Christian to another. Before we get to verse number 5, it says, I've got a speck, you got a speck. Or you have a speck, I have a plank. To put it simply, you got something in your eye, I got something in my eye. Let me take care of this thing so that I can help you get that plank out of your own eye or your, your speck. In other words, when we, when we hear, well, the Bible says you're not supposed to judge, how do I know that you have a speck in your eye? Do I pretend that you don't? Be like, okay, that's fine. No. Watch verse number five. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do you see that? See, when we, when we hear Matthew 7, 1, oh, you, you can't judge me. The Bible says you're not supposed to judge. It's like, no, I want to help you. I have my own flaws. Let me get this out of my eye so that I can help you. But people don't want to believe that there is a speck in their own eye. I want to put the, the three points up there one last time. In this passage, we're to understand that Christians are to be set apart from other believers. From unbelievers, sorry. From unbelievers. Number two, to conform us to the image of the Father, to take on His nature. And number three, we have our reward. In eternity with our Lord. Again, everything that we talked about today goes against what the world says. It seems antiquated, but it is the Lord's standard and not our own. And my last point here today, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. The thing that we need to keep in mind, and I want you to hear me when I say this, the thing that we need to keep in mind for those of us who have professed faith in Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 4.4, our eyes have been opened to the truth of this world and the truth of our Lord. Amen? Our eyes have been opened. The people who have not yet accepted Christ, their eyes are closed. So what does this mean? They Unbelievers are not our enemies. Unbelievers are not our enemies. They are our mission field. That's who we should be telling about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not saying, oh, well, if you live a certain way or you do a certain sin, you're going to hell. What we need to do is tell them 
Here is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here is what opened my eyes. Here is the truth directly from God's word. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this gathering of believers. Father, that we come to hear your word with the intent to act on it. And Father, as we leave here today, we just ask that your Holy Spirit continue to sanctify us each and every day. Father, that we can live according to your standard, that we can be changed and molded by your Holy Spirit each and every day. Father, we just ask that you give us the words to speak when we go and share the good news of your grace, your love, and your mercy that came in the form of Jesus Christ. Father, give us those words to speak. Allow us to get out of our comfort zone and to share Jesus Christ with others. That message of hope, that message of your love, we want to share that with other people so that there are, their eyes are open to the truth as well. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.